Disclaimer, I am a counseling student, I am not a mental health professional, and I cannot give or offer mental health services. You are listening to Good You. I'm your host, Samantha, and today I'm here with Maria Hebrock. Thank you so much for being with me today. And we are going to be talking about play therapy. So, Maria, can you please maybe give us a little introduction about who you are, what you do, and whichever you'd like to add to that intro. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me here today, Sam. Um, I'm Maria, like Sam said, and I... um, actually utilize a lot of play therapy and play-based interventions in my counseling work with kiddos, families, teens, and we'll talk more about that. Um, I am really fortunate. I have uh, been on the board for Louisiana Association for Play Therapy and currently serve as the Outreach and Publicity Chair. And um, I also work and am the program manager of an intensive outpatient program. So that's currently my therapeutic setting and also some aspects of play therapy involvement. All right. So just about everything, it sounds. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we actually don't currently have private practice in that mix, but maybe at some point we'll also dabble back in that as well. I did hear it currently, so that you know, maybe so. And maybe we can talk about how we met in the first place. So... Me and Maria went to the same, well, I'm, I'm currently still in the grad program. Maria graduated already, and she graduated before, I think, before I started? Mm, in May of 2021, so. And I started summer 2021. There we go. Yep, so literally right before, but we met at practicum for me and her PLPC position, um, and so it was kismet, uh, and yeah, so I just appreciate you being able to get on and talk about play therapy and maybe even some of the things that the work we did. Um, But yeah, so let's maybe talk a little bit about LAPT and APT. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Um, So APT stands for the Association for Play Therapy. And then LAPT is Louisiana's branch of um, the Association for Play Therapy. And a little bit about that is um, actually just really wonderful things. It's a wonderful resource for families to check out or anyone that's interested in learning anything about play therapy. Um, They have wonderful resources on it. It talks all about what it is, um, which we could definitely get into a little bit down the line, a little bit more in the nitty gritty of it. Um, And it is also really wonderful opportunities for training for current counselors, for those who are um, in the field and they need CEUs or they want to learn more about play therapy and play-based interventions, how to become a registered play therapist is a really wonderful aspect too that you can check out um, the LAPT or APT sites and you can go from there if you're selecting a play therapist. 
notice that it shows all the registered play therapists. If you're on Louisiana's page, then it's going to show you um, the breakdown of all those in our state. And then you can also go on APT and you can find those in the country. So it gives you just really just it's a wonderful conglomerate resources. It also shows upcoming workshops that we have or, you know, our annual conference, which is so exciting. We can talk more about that. That's actually a lot of what my role is with LAPT with the outreach and publicity. So um, really a lot of donation collecting and um, the outreach that I do with universities, um, with educating the public on those that are even non-clinicians of what is play therapy. So um, it's just a really wonderful resource between the two. Wow, yeah. Now you can just give them this podcast episode and say, here's all you need to know about play therapy. <laughs> I love it. And and I like that you said, so registered play therapist, right? Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little more about why it's not a licensed play therapist? Yeah, yeah. So being a registered play therapist, um, in order to qualify for that title with identifying yourself as a registered play therapist or an RPT, Mm -hmm. um, as well just like for a licensed professional counselor, um, that you have to go through a very specific process. You need, which again, we will actually post links to, you know, after this and folks can check more of it out. But it gives you a really great breakdown of what you need, but you have to have specific coursework in play therapy um, and they've actually since 2023 they've added to it um, which for good reason they've added a wonderful um, cultural diversity class that's needed that wasn't used to be on there some additional hours you need specific supervision your supervisor has to also be a registered play therapist supervisor just like an LPCS Mm -hmm. Um, and you need those specific supervised hours you need those specific hours just like you do for your LPC of seeing clients in that realm of play therapy Um, and so it just it breaks down a lot of those requirements it is feasible but it is an additional specific thing and you need specific ceu training on it too because to identify as a registered play therapist means that you are an expert on this and that you are credentialed for it Um, so those that aren't fully rpt'd can utilize play therapy or play-based modalities but just be careful about the way that one identifies oneself like at this moment in time i'm not rpt'd i haven't started that process just yet i was working on my lpc first but perhaps sometime in the future it's also something that i'm thinking about because i find it very important Mm -hmm. um, and relevant as well yeah absolutely and thank you for sharing all that because Exactly. Someone being able to say, oh, I practice play therapy in Mm -hmm. session, but they might not be an RPT. Mm -hmm. And um, we always talk about on here about looking into more into who you're picking for your counselor Mm -hmm. and that being okay to do. Like Mm -hmm. it is okay to look up their license number. It's okay to look up their registration Mm -hmm. um, and bring up those questions if you have any how much experience they've had, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that and feeling more comfortable with doing so. So thank you for sharing all, um, all the information about the board. And we'll, again, probably dive more into that as well. Um, so maybe we can start with just talking about what is play therapy for the people out there that 
can only imagine what that might look like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I like to go with the formal definition first, which you can again um, check this out on the Association for Play Therapy's website, APT. Um, and then from there, we can you know get into the other colorful aspects and what does that actually mean, um, and perhaps like you know diving into some of that therapeutic jargon. But I think it's really important, so I'm going to reference it first by how LA, I mean by how LAPT and APT does. But according to APT, play therapy is defined as the following, the systemic use of a theoretical model to establish an interpersonal process wherein trained play therapists use the therapeutic powers of play to help clients prevent or resolve psychosocial difficulties and achieve optimal growth and development. Mm -hmm. So that's our formal of that. Uh Uh-huh. And how would you break that down? And how would I break that down further is how I, as a clinician, um, conceptualize and practiced play-based modalities is play intervention and and play in my therapeutic sessions um, and I am very Adlerian yeah. in nature um, I sip the I sip Adler's Kool-Aid <laughs> so for anyone who doesn't because we haven't gotten the the chance to bring theories on here yet Adlerian is a, a theoretical uh, orientation for um, counseling so that is the Kool-Aid that we tend to drink and uh, we have so Anyway, continue. I just wanted to add that in. No, and thank you for that um, because, again, it's one of those things that might be therapeutic jargon for some folks, and I certainly want uh, people to understand it. Um, But when I take that Illyrian mode, which comes into my family counseling too, my background is marriage, couples, and families. Um, Counseling was actually my concentration while I was in the program. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that being said, that I take that Illyrian play therapy, and also I always conceptualize through a systemic lens. So I consider how does someone fit into um, their family, whether it be their family of origin or chosen family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but but what is their role? How did they see themselves with their birth order? Um, and, and very important with how do they see themselves, not necessarily what order were they born into. That I consider that what were their early childhood memories like. Um, that's a big thing that comes to play. I also follow the Illyrian process of um, four steps, which are where I look at engagement mm-hmm. in the therapeutic process, which is where I really take this collaborative relationship. Right. Um, and that I approach uh, play therapy and therapy from the perspective of, I believe clients are experts on their own lives, and I'm here to walk alongside the journey if they're going to have me with them. And so that's where I think it's very important to be egalitarian, and that's how I view it. And again, that's very much so that Illyrian root belief. Um, From there is I take an assessment process. So with this process, a lot of this comes with, I know we're going to talk about this a lot more later, but a lot of my Santre play um, I feel like is really great with children, with teens, but even with adults. So we'll talk about that too, um, which is where I gather more of that personal history Mm. about someone as I'm assessing what kind of, what kind of um, concerns or issues or trauma, what are they, why are they coming to counseling Mm. at this point in time? What what has their life been like that they need me to know Mm -hmm. to better understand them? Um, And from there, we take an insight perspective, which is where um, we consider that, um, you know, giving them sometimes another perspective to look at with what they're what they're putting out there and, you know, considering those other perspectives, but also honoring their own. Um, and, and, And then from there is where we consider how can they then reorient and then apply that into the real world. 
um, when they then take what they've learned from their counseling journey. So those are kind of like those, those four areas with as I work through the counseling process and take that Illyrian um, route to the play therapy. Yeah, absolutely beautiful breakdown of that. And like being able to picture what it would be like to work with an Adlerian play therapist mm-hmm. in a session. What do you feel like someone would see walking into a play therapy room? What would it look like for someone who's new to play therapy? Yeah, and I love that you brought that up because it can look really different for some folks. Um, and because I see kiddos, teens, couples, families, I'm seeing folks across the lifespan because um, I love, and we can talk about this, I love that you can utilize play. Mm-hmm across the lifespan um, that typically when we consider with APT, what they're looking at for traditional play therapy, it is kiddos from about three to 12. However, you can cater it to adolescents, to later adolescents, to adulthood, to older adults. Mm -hmm. So we never have to stop playing. But when we consider a traditional playroom for kiddos, let's say under the age of 12, let's stay that 3 to 12 bracket. Um, If they walk in, then they should see a room and therapists choose toys very differently that, you know, for different orientations and and personalities that Mm -hmm. people like it to look different. But if it's a smaller child, if it's under the age 12, they should see dress-up costumes, they should see fantasy items, they should see games, they should see colors, they should see paints perhaps. Sand is um, a little bit controversial. Some people... I love a good sand tray. (laughs) Some people love the sand in their playroom, some people do not. Some people love an online sand tray, which Mm. we can talk more about that. Um, For kiddos that have sensory-related issues, which I have seen often, that the physical sand isn't for everyone, and sand can be a lot of different ways. Um, But those should be some aspects that they should see. They should see that also they have um, a lot of ways to express themselves Mm -hmm. um, through play. And so that's what a more traditional playroom for, you know, children that are under 12 should look like. Now, if you are a therapist who sees, or a counselor who sees, um, also teens and you know adults and things like that then in your your room is similar to mine how it is right now then you have elements of you know aspects for the younger kiddos too but it's not a full-blown playroom mm-hmm. um, it's you know where the play-based interventions have and that I can put them away I have a segment and a section for games I have a section for sand tray yeah. you know but the whole room in itself isn't perhaps a traditional playroom right. at this point in time okay and something that you said that I just can't stop thinking about it, that I love that you said was we never stop playing we don't have to stop playing mm-hmm. and that is such a powerful sentence to to let everyone in here know because we all still have that inner child in us that I think we that gets forgotten often mm-hmm. and gets to come out and play. Mm-hmm. How often have you seen people who are older than the younger children that go to play therapy that you tell them we're doing some play therapy and they don't know what to do, quote unquote, right? They're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. There's no right or wrong way to play. We've just almost forgotten. Mm-hmm. Can you talk maybe about if you've seen anything like that? Yeah, I've seen a lot of it. Um, Specifically, when I was working previously at the Youth Service Bureau, I was working with um, adolescents and their families. And sometimes the teens would be like, play? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm a little too old for that. Uh-huh. Like, Ms. Maria, did you, like, think that I'm younger? You know, and that's where I'm like, but hang on a second. How do you like to express? Mm-hmm. 
So that's one of those big things is that when I'm when I'm learning about, I'm assessing the clients that I'm learning, what are their hobbies? What are their interests? What if they've lost interest in things that they once loved? Maybe that's something that they're exploring too. You know, what's going on with that? Do they love music? Do they love art? Yeah. Do they love animals? You know, do, do they maybe feel like they might like to project in the sand? Um, how can we bring those things together? You know, what kind of games do they like? And then from there, that's how I introduce it with, you know, with play is how would you like to express? So it just depends how old someone is, you know, and where they are with their developmental level yeah. as well and what they might connect with. Yeah, and just knowing that it's, it is this, well, I'm not a kid, I'm not supposed to, that, that rhetoric that I feel like people mm-hmm. are so ingrained in their, in their brains that they think that they don't have the right to play mm-hmm. when we all have the right to play. And in fact, we really should take mm-hmm. advantage of that when we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a great point. And oftentimes adults get kind of stuck on that too. Yeah. Of, you know, some 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 adult clients that I've had are right into it, you know, and that they love that I always have mandalas, um, you know, that they can just, some of them just want to color while we chat. Um, some of them want to draw out their a family genogram, which, you know, we can talk about that a little bit more later too, or their family of history, you know, mm-hmm. that they, they want to they wanna draw it out. They want to see it. They want to write it out. They want to express in poetry or rap you know with with that music they want to they want to connect with um, you know a story that they want to write it out more in a narrative means um, and so once once we start to give it to folks usually you know people will warm up in some kind of capacity or sometimes they're a little bit uncomfortable still and I just take everyone with where they are and then I like to do something alongside with them so they don't just feel like they're doing it and I'm just you know there so um, I'll often be doing something as well, um, although, you know, I want it to be about them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of it, I think, is um, and I think about myself of being a client that I've been a counseling client before. And it can be anxiety provoking uh-huh. <laughs> going into that session. Uh-huh. Um, for some people, it takes all kinds of things, as you know, to, to, to walk through that door. Some people yeah. are ready. Some people are about to run through that door. Some kiddos are so happy to be there. They yeah. they want to play. They're excited for it. Sometimes they're like, man, I feel like I'm the problem. And they're kind of like begrudgingly walking through the door, yeah. you know, or, or some folks just different kind of ways that I feel like um, that that's just, you know, just an important element of choice yeah. um, with it. And, I, and it's so important to talk about the differences in clients because taking each as they are and, and there are going to be some – specifically talking about adolescents because that's who I've gotten the privilege to work with so far in in my practicum and internship is just there are going to be some that go absolutely ham in the sand tray and they fill it up to to each end from end to end to the center and there's some that put maybe a few things in there Mm -hmm. and both of those things says a lot Mm -hmm. it doesn't say that they're not interested in doing it Mm -hmm. maybe they just don't feel comfortable yet with mm-hmm. doing it or mm-hmm. maybe that is their story in mm-hmm. there and it's and it's just smaller than some right mm-hmm. and like that goes into that Adlerian perspective of taking every individual as their own and they know their life more than you do right very much so yeah 
Yeah, and that also, you know, that, that from it is sometimes when they do put, you know, just a little bit in the sand tray or they do, you know, they 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 um, address the activity or they kind of take it from another way than how I saw it, that that doesn't mean that it's wrong. Exactly. Um, that that's really, it's really meant for them anyways. So yeah. it really doesn't matter, you know, how they approach it. And that, you know, oftentimes, you know, I've seen the anxiety just shift where someone might feel really anxious going into a session and projecting it into an object or art or music or sand or whatever it might be, you know, that I've seen folks calm and that there is something so grounding about it. You're mindful in the moment, you're grounding, and then you're making something that, you know, when we we can talk more about this with a sand tray, that you could take a picture of it, you know, and and save it for later. Clients can see it as they progress through, or if it's an online sand tray, you can, you know, save that to a digital means print it out for their file or keep it in their electronic medical record however you know you want to save it um, or their art you know that that can again it's something that's tangible and it sometimes is physical yeah. or it's auditory it's kind of stamping this for them yeah. and I feel like sometimes with that insight is sometimes folks learn a whole lot more about what's going on or what kind of hurt or healing they have that maybe they didn't otherwise know how to say in words. Yeah, that it's a like kinesthetic way to unpack unpack their minds. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and here I am blanking about what I was about to say, but um, uh, I'm gonna lose that. But kinesthetic kinesthetic way to unpack their minds. I'm just gonna leave it at that because I had lost that thought. But um, Tell us maybe about the benefits of play therapy. Yes, I think that's a great section to shift into. Um, And that's where we consider that, again, I'm going to go with what APT says, and then we can talk about it from there. But um, they mention language really specifically, and I think this is so wonderful with play therapy. But the more simply put, child play therapy or play therapy Um, is a way of being with the child that honors their unique developmental level and looks for ways of helping in the language of the child, which is, of course, play. Right. And, I mean, for anyone out there who hasn't read um, Dibs, Mm -hmm. um, what is it, Dibs in Search of Self, Mm -hmm. uh, that was probably one of the most fantastic books I've ever read. Yes. It (laughs) is the fastest read ever. Um, And I let actually someone borrow it recently, and she said, I, so he just played and figured it out and I'm like yeah basically like that working it out through the sandbox mm-hmm. it it is so incredible to think about how just the verbiage he was using in that book about mm-hmm. who he was burying right in the mm-hmm. sand and like mm-hmm. what it would mean to bury someone mm-hmm. and like what that means that doesn't mean physically wanting to harm somebody mm-hmm what that means for that child right um and where we place things in the sand right how close something is to another and i most of the time the client doesn't realize what they're saying until it's kind of walked through with Mm -hmm. with the counselor and then these eyes of like oh my gosh yes that's right that's Mm -hmm. it yeah Mm -hmm. oh my gosh i didn't realize i did that and Mm -hmm. things like that tell me a little bit about maybe some of the reactions you've seen when working with teens or kiddos with the play play sand play play therapy in the sandbox (laughs) I love that um yeah and I've seen I've seen some really amazing reactions I've seen sometimes where you know and and where someone is on in their own journey and you know unique 
you know, uh, personalities that come in to therapy and just, you know, how someone, you know, their readiness for change that sometimes that goes into it as well. Um, but I've seen, I've seen people emote in a way that, you know, that they, they just cried, you know, yeah. from, from seeing their, their sand tray, um, that they felt that they've brought their grief and their loss, their traumas to this, that they bring to the table, um, their desires for a healing journey, um, which kind of makes me a little emotional when I, when I think about it, cause I've, I've seen such beauty in it. Um, I've seen families hug and um, parents, you know, once a, t- a teen or a kiddo, you know, share something, sometimes they share their, their sand tray, you know, that they wanted them to see it, that they didn't realize something, yeah. um, you know, or I've seen folks, you know, feel like they matter, that they get to have say so and choice over their life. Um, something that brings me to is the four crucial C's of Adlerian um, theory and therapy, which I believe so much in. And again, as you, as you, as I work with, um, with clients through those steps that I was referencing earlier in the counseling journey, that it matters. Um, and those crucial C's are, I count, I'm capable, I feel connected, and I have courage. And with those, that that's the beliefs, that's the self-talk that, you know, that I want to foster with mm-hmm. folks and that I've seen that come to play. I've seen the belief that I do have courage. I've seen that I count, I get to matter. Yeah, I can take up space. I get yeah. to take up space that I'm allowed to, this is, this is my world, you know, in my sand tray and that I have a life and that I do have choice, yeah. you know, and that I can set boundaries and navigate them for what's healthy in my life that um that I count just because I'm human um that I get to have that um that I'm connected that some folks come to me feeling very disconnected as I'm sure you've seen too in your therapy um that you know whether it be something with caregivers or guardians or um social support and that how really needed that is that sometimes we work through that is how are you connected to positive folks in your life um and that you know that capability that i am able um because some folks come to me feeling really inadequate um that i've seen that with kiddos with teens but even with adults that they have this belief inside of them that their self-efficacy that they just they don't know that they can follow through with something they don't know if they get to they get to have dreams or goals um that that someone's told them otherwise and that's what they're going with yeah and so I've seen those moments of those seas come to life is kind of what I call them now that we've kind of broken them down. And those have been really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and we kind of touched on it a, f- a few times in here, but maybe going a little bit more in depth about what populations can practice play and play therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's where, again, with these licensed mental health professionals um, that therapeutically are using play to help their clients um, that specifically when you're looking at traditional play therapy it is between the ages of three to 12 mm-hmm. with the children of going through that play that play therapy um, but again that I really want to highlight that this can go through adolescence and into adulthood and that even older adults um, that they can have beautiful healing experiences through using play-based modalities but for those kiddos that are three to twelve that's where you're really utilizing you know pretty much straight play Mm. because that's their language 
and that's how they're going to let you know what's going on and that's how we believe that they can best heal and also express themselves in in the therapeutic session right so maybe with like adults or older adults or adolescents doing a combination mm-hmm. of talk and play mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. seems to be more helpful yes uh, yes that's where that's very much so those play-based modalities those play-based interventions that's right. where you know pulling the music the art the what might it be that they might want to express through but they're also able to verbalize mm-hmm. and not saying that kiddos can't verbalize but you know we're really taking it more from from their play mm-hmm. and when you're talking about art uh in play therapy can you maybe tell us, because I've, I've had um, an art therapist come and talk about mm-hmm. art therapy. Mm-hmm. So how can someone distinguish between art and play therapy, or if it's maybe kind of similar to art therapy, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think that it has a lot of crossover, um, depending on someone's credentials, you know, and, and how they're approaching the therapeutic process. Um, I think probably, you know, shifts a lot of that. But the way that I use it is, is allowing someone to project through. Sometimes I have more directive things mm-hmm. that, you know, I feel like we're working on and might be relevant for them. And sometimes it's just, it's free. It's freestyle. Um, how they might like to project with with the art. Um, sometimes it's it's a long-standing thing that we're working on that you know has a theme. Okay. That we're working through that comes out through the art. So it can come through a lot of different ways. But I use it as, especially if we're talking about you know adolescents or, mm-hmm. or the adults, that it it's it's an aid to. Um, with it and it's something that can be tangible and can allow someone to emote or project through okay right it, it does it does seem like there's a lot of crossovers maybe art just focuses strictly on mm-hmm. art artwork and um, but it is both having that kinesthetic uh, being able to put it into something tangible that they can take and admire about themselves and their growth and things like that because I can only imagine looking at your first piece of art or your first sand tray and mm-hmm. then like months later or even weeks later, your next one and seeing just the difference of your, one, your comfortability and doing mm-hmm. that uh, prompt or mm-hmm. even no prompt um, and just being able to express yourself in maybe ways you would feel uncomfortable doing so in everyday life outside of the office. Absolutely, Sam. Um, and and with that too is that sometimes folks, you know, wouldn't even know where to begin or yeah. go. And I love how you mentioned that of you know what what the what the art or the sand trays might look like over time. Some clients of mine have been like, I'll show them like a beginning one. They're like, that's not mine. I'm like, oh no, I put your initials yeah. <laughs> specifically with the date. You know, I made sure. I'm like. Are you sure? I was like, because I have your initials in the date. I'm pretty sure this. And they're like, sometimes they're like, what? No way. And then they think about, they're like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, you told me about this and this. And they're like, that's right. Or sometimes they know. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, that was where I I, I had going on. That was where I was at that time. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I have. Wow. I've really worked through this element or, you know, this relationship or, you know, that goal that I've had if it's someone that's able to, you know, to verbalize that. Yeah, absolutely. Something we're doing today, which I'm really, really excited about, is a sand tray and where I will be the client um, and Maria, Miss Maria will be my counselor. Um, and it will be on Instagram live and it will be posted. So if you're listening to this episode but weren't able to um, catch the Instagram live it will be posted to the feed anyway so you can always go check it out if you're interested in seeing what a session might look like now 
I might be able to hopefully try and trick Maria so she doesn't read me like the book. <laughs> but sometimes it's not that easy. <laughs> um, if that is something that you're interested in looking into, go ahead to the Instagram page. Can we maybe talk about what it might look like today? So yeah, people, absolutely. Get a sneak sneak peek. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> So when you say, you know, you dress me as Miss Maria, so I had asked Sam before this of, you know, what age client would she like to be today? Um, Is she her current age as herself, um, which would be an adult? Um, Is she a teen? Is she a kiddo under 12? Mm -hmm. You know, if so, perhaps give me an idea. Um, Or is she an older adult that, you know, what specific area, you know, of chronological age and where is she developmentally that I think matters because that is going to 100% come to play Mm -hmm. (laughs) as we play that it matters. Yeah. So, Sam, if you're giving them a sneak peek, do you have an idea in mind or are you saving that? I... I think I'm going to save it because I honest, to be honest with you, I'm still thinking about it. So uh, I think I need more time to consider. Um, but anyway, and let's let's add to the end here, which one I want to say thank you again so much for being able to come on here and talk about um, play therapy, um, APT, LAPT. Um, maybe we can give some resources to people who are interested in maybe looking at the websites or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So um, we can certainly um, upload those links yeah. if there's a way to do so, or we can um, upload the APT link, the LAPT link. Um, we can also upload the free online sand tribe, yes. um, which is an Oaklander one. Um, we can do the link to that as well. Um, we will also add some links at the end or some you know, um, information. If anyone is interested in purchasing what we have is a portable sand tray. Um, it's a great one that has a starter kit if anyone's interested in that, those that utilize play therapy or play-based modalities. And also um, just a little shout out to who I've gotten some additional miniatures from, which is Mama Owl's Minis and Marshall's Miniatures and we can give you guys a way to connect with them too if you're interested. They make beautiful handmade um, play therapy miniatures and some additional play therapy supplies. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, please check the podcast notes that will have the links um, and you can just click the link right below if you scroll down. Okay. Um, And lastly as our closer before we start our amazing Instagram live, um, what makes play therapy so special and unique to you? Um, so this one is one I'm going to completely not go textbook at all and just go with just me inherently as a person and a clinician that I really do believe in those therapeutic powers of play. I really believe in folks being able to, um, to project through an unfiltered means Um, And if it's kiddos, that taking them where they are, because all day long in the world, people are telling them where to go, how to be, you know, oftentimes what to think. Um, And so it really honors them of giving them that choice of a little human that they get to matter to and that they get to make decisions. And I just think that that's so beautiful. And then, you know, as a teen or an adult, you know, that again, it's a similar thing that it's, it's to me and and therapy in general of what brought me to it was, um, it was about exploring a healing journey and that you get to decide. You get to decide how you heal um, and what areas that you want to look at and that I love that it allows that expressive means because uh, by all means, if someone straight talk therapy, you do you and that is great. It is not me as a person. Me as a person, I am an expressive bird 
And so I just, I, I'm a hummingbird, by the way, is my spirit animal. Yes. And that I just, I found so much healing through this and it just naturally was me. Um, and then once I started working with kiddos and teens and families and all this stuff and, you know, did work with families of, you know, bringing them into play, whether it be the filial play with the parents and the kiddo and helping them play with them and learning about that and seeing the systemic change that can occur in a family um, that I just think that it brings a lot of beauty and healing to the world yeah. and no one's too old to play definitely not let's go let's go back to that that we're, we can never grow out of play mm-hmm. we can put it down because we might think that's what we're supposed to do but we don't have to Absolutely not. And that, you know, that it's okay to feel a little uncomfortable if you're relearning to play because you've stopped playing for some time. Or maybe you never really got a chance to play and you might be learning that about yourself. Great point. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for this amazing, beautiful, and hopefully healing episode for some people out there. Um, Maybe looking forward to playing after this. I love it. All right. All right, and catch us on Instagram in a minute at goodyou.therapy if you want to check out the live. All right, thanks, bye. Today's music was written and produced by Tyler O'Brien. You can find him on Instagram at dreamscape, D-R-E-A-M-S-C-A-P-E, and follow his band at wastelander underscore band on Instagram. 